If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount, week 5. Only seven more to go. As I told you before, week 1, brace yourselves. This is three months long, but uh, very important because it's, it's God's holy word. And uh, as I've said you know, every week, these are, these are words spoken directly out of the mouth of the Savior of the world. Uh, three chapters long, all red letters. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' manifesto. It's, it's His instruction manual for the church. And if I could just be uh, even more direct, it's for you as a Christian. Jesus lays out for us how we ought to live in this world. And um, You know, if you remember at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus opens up uh, by uh, talking about Christian character. He, he, he talks about Christian character in the Beatitudes. Then he goes on and he, and he talks about how we're supposed to be influencers in the world, salt and light. And then Jesus goes on a long discussion about uh, the law under the new covenant. You thought murder was bad? Jesus says, no, anger is as bad as murder. You think sexual sin, adultery is bad? Jesus says, no, even if you have lust in your heart, you've sinned. And so now we enter into chapter 6. And Jesus goes on uh, kind of a, this part of a sermon where he starts talking about different spiritual disciplines. So Jesus talks about giving and praying and fasting. And, and what's interesting what Jesus does, he not only tells us how to do these things, how to give, pray, and fast, but Jesus tells us how not to do these things, how not to give, pray, and fast. And today we're going to talk about giving. What does Jesus say about giving. And it's interesting what he says, how not to give. When you give, when you pray and fast, Jesus says this, don't be like those hypocrites. Don't be like those hypocrites. And so we're going to unpack what what he means by that. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to read starting in chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus is speaking. He says this, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I want to open us up with a prayer. Um, Last week was a, as I said, it was a different conversation, different talk. Uh, Today is is also different. And I believe Jesus is speaking to the heart today. And so as I pray, I want you to ask the God of heaven to open your heart to receive what he is saying to you this morning. And so as as I pray, bow your heads and, and just pray along with me in your own heart. Let's pray. Father... I ask you right now in these next few moments through the work and power of your Holy Spirit that is living inside of your people, would you use your word, your word that is living and active right now, would you use it to pierce through everybody's hearts in this moment, help them to receive your word and to apply it to their lives for the glory of God. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. So there are two things that I want to unpack for us this morning, really two points that I have based on this text. The first one is this, how not to give according to Jesus. How not to give 
according to Jesus. So Jesus says in verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So the word here for righteousness, because what Jesus is saying is, if you looked at other versions, he's saying, Beware of practicing your acts of righteousness. So the word here is charity or alms or almsgiving. And you might, some of you might be more familiar with the King James Version. It says this, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men. Now, if you look in the New King James Version, it says, Take heed that you do not your charitable deeds before men. And so this is about charity. It's about giving. It's, it's about alms. It, Jesus says, when you do this, now, now he doesn't say, if you do this, Jesus says, when you do this, because there's an expectation for you and I as a Christian to be a, someone who has a heart to give. And we're going to talk about that more as we go on. But Jesus says, when you do this, here's how not to do it. Don't do it like those hypocrites. Jesus says, don't be like those hypocrites. And it's interesting to me that Jesus starts out about giving on how not to do it. And the reason he does that is because of the very ones who claim to be God lovers, those who were thought to have close intimacy with the living God, were actually far farther from God than most people thought. So Jesus, he sets the example first on how not to give. Because those who were supposed to have set the example for God's people had failed. And Jesus is setting the record straight for them and for us. He's got some strong words for these very people. He says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So if there's one thing clear throughout this segment of Jesus' sermon, it's that the, very, the, the religious leaders, these were known as the religious elite. These were the, the, the ones that everybody looked at as their spiritual, um, they gave spiritual guidance. They were the religious elite, the cream of the crop when it came to Bible knowledge. Uh, if you wanted to uh, learn how to meditate on Scripture or memorize Scripture, you went to people like this. And the thing about these people is that they cared more about the praise of other people than they did about actually honoring and glorifying God, specifically with their giving in this text. These people... Jesus refers to as the hypocrites, loved to stand in the street corners. They loved to pray so that everybody could see them. They loved to use their eloquent words so everybody would be impressed by them. And as Jesus goes on in this segment, he talks about how they loved to disfigure their faces. They loved to, to make themselves look sad and somber so that other people would see, oh, they're fasting. They're stepping away from eating food because they're drawing closer to God. They did that for show and for praise from other people. They loved to walk into the synagogues, their churches, the, the temples at, uh, during Jesus' day. And Jesus uses this, uh, uh, he's not being literal, but he says they walk in there and they sound off a trumpet because what they're doing is they're drawing attention to themselves. They're saying, look how much we're giving. Look at all of the money that we're dropping in the offering bowls. Look at us. Uh, they're drawing attention to themselves. They cared more about the praise of people than they did of honoring and glorifying God. They wanted everybody to know how spiritual they were. These were the religious elite. 
They loved the attention. And what they did is they gloried in the praise of other people. And so they had shifted. These religious leaders, these religious elite, they had shifted uh, the standard of righteousness in Israel. They, these religious leaders, the religious elite, they were the ones who were the spiritual advisors for God's people. They were trusted by people. This is as if uh, the church today was putting all of their trust in church leaders, and yet all the while, everything that they're doing behind closed doors or even out in public was for the praise of their own name, not for the praise of our God. So they, were, they, they weren't setting a godly example. They were setting an ungodly example. They weren't, they weren't living in humility. They, they weren't living in true submission to God the way they were supposed to be. And all of their disciplines and, and all of their spiritual acts of righteousness were, were for show. They were for attention. They wanted people to look at them, trust them, glory in them, and not God. They wanted to be acknowledged. They wanted to be revered. They wanted to be honored and praised. All of their actions in that regard were all done in vain. And God is not impressed by that. And so Jesus, he looks at them and he says, don't be like those hypocrites. A word is interesting when I was looking at this this week. A word for hypocrites, at least in that day, was to be known as an actor. Someone who puts on a mask and performs uh, in the context of, of someone else. So you're just acting, you're putting on this facade. What you're doing is you're not uh, actually being yourself or who you're supposed to be towards God, but you're acting as someone else. You're a hypocrite. You're a liar. You're drawing attention to yourself. And this is what the religious leaders were doing. They sounded trumpets, as, as Jesus says. Everywhere they went, they, draw, they drew attention to themselves. And Jesus is saying, don't be like that. That's not godly. That's ungodly. And Jesus says, the reward that they're getting, all of the praises by every other person, everybody's acknowledging them, drawing all attention to them, praising them for all of their righteous acts. Jesus is saying, that's all the reward they'll ever receive. Jesus is saying, they won't receive anything from me when they look to the praises of other people. In fact, Jesus uses a pretty strong word here. He says, beware. When he talks about how not to give, he says, beware. Consider carefully how you give. If you do it like the religious leaders, you won't receive anything from me. And the problem is, we live in a culture today where the normalcy of our day is we thrive and live off of the attention and approval and praises of other people. We do. We gain satisfaction. And we look for those feel-good moments when people pay attention to us. And if we're not careful, we begin to glory in that. And we begin to seek the attention and praise of other people in a way that is ungodly. It's not healthy. When you go on social media, you post something. You're looking for likes. You're looking for hearts. You're looking for those things. You're drawing, we're drawing attention to ourselves because what happens is if we do that, if somebody says something about a picture that we post that we don't like, it affects us negatively. We're letting people determine our feelings. We're letting people determine how we act. And this is the same way for someone like me who preaches. 
all the time, I'm wondering, I hope they like it. I hope, I hope that they like it. I wonder if they're going to respond to this. I hope that, you know, they won't mind me coming to preach the next week because of something I said today. All the time I wrestle with that. I'm not sure if you've seen this documentary that came out recently on Netflix. It's called The Social Dilemma. Now, if you haven't seen The Social Dilemma, I would encourage you to see it because it's truly fascinating and shocking at the same time. But in this, in this documentary, they talk about how in our culture today, we have become such an attention-seeking kind of people. We live and, and thrive off of what others think about us and how others respond to us when we post certain things on social media, especially Facebook. I would suggest most of us are probably on Facebook. And when we do those things, we look, what are people going to think? You know, we may, we may have a hundred likes and, and a dislike, and that dislike, it could steer you down the wrong path towards anger, bitterness, who knows? Well, in this documentary, it talks about how young people, it's really people of all ages, but specifically young people are finding their identity in what other people think of them. This is incredibly prevalent in young people. They're finding their identity in what other people think of them. Young girls are, are all the time, teenage girls, using filters on their phones to get as many likes as possible. And we're very, very familiar with this icon on Facebook. How many of those can we get? How many of these can we get? And what I'm saying is, is what I'm saying funny. Maybe you say something that's not funny. People don't agree with you, so they laugh because what you've said is ridiculous. Now there's a disagreement. It turns into an argument. It turns into a Facebook war, a political uh, war of some kind. The problem is if we are more familiar with this than we are with this, that's a huge concern for the church of Jesus Christ. And so that documentary talks about how people are seeking the attention of other people. They want to be liked. We want to be liked, don't we? Don't we want to be liked? We want people to like us. If you're honest with yourself, you want people to like you. You want to be noticed. And if we're not careful, all of a sudden we find ourselves in this place where we're finding our identity and what other people think of us. We're finding our identity in people rather than our Heavenly Father. And God in His Word is saying that, that won't get you anywhere. You won't receive anything from Me when you seek the attention, the praise, or you're looking for your identity in other people rather than Him. I hope you know you already have favor with God. He has approved you. In fact, the God of the Scriptures has chosen you and set you apart to be His for eternity. Ten billion years from now, you will be in the presence of the living God. And ten billions after that, ten billion years after that, you will still be with Him. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God thinks of you. He has set you apart for eternity. The God of the universe has already given His attention towards you when He chose you before the foundation of the world. 
So back to our text. Jesus, he talks about how not to give. This, is, this has everything to do with motive, by the way. The standard of acts of righteousness, according to Jesus, is based not on your works, not on how much you give, not on how often you, you give money to that homeless person, which, by the way, don't, don't feel bad if you can continue to, to pass by a homeless person and you don't give them money. You know Jesus walked away from need all the time. He did. He said that there will always be the needy among us. So you're not meant to feel guilt or shame. You're meant to be spiritually active in a way that you are in tune with the Father. And His Spirit can show you how to discern when to, when to stop and give, whether that's your money, your time, your words, your outward acts of righteousness are an expression of your inward motive. Your outward acts of righteousness are an, ex- uh, an extension of your inward motive. This is a matter of the heart. This is, this is not about doing or giving in the sense that this is physical. This is inward. This is a matter of the heart. So Jesus, the point, first point is how not to give. Don't be like those hypocrites, those fakes, those liars. They, they draw attention to themselves. They seek the praise of other people. Now Jesus transitions. Point two, he says, uh, this is how to give. So Jesus starts talking about how to give according to Jesus in this text. We pick up in verse three. He says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, we probably have different opinions, every single one of us, when it comes to giving. I guarantee you, uh, throughout your Christian life, um, you have thought differently about giving than maybe you did in previous years. Maybe throughout your, your Christian life, you've given more than you did in previous years. Maybe you're giving more now than you used to in previous years. And, and the thing is, we all have uh, maybe a different opinion on giving. And, and some of you may uh, determine how you give through one text in the Bible, and someone else in here might determine how they give through a different text in the Bible, how much to give, or, or when to give, or, or how often to give. We, we may all have different opinions on this. But here's what we do know. Giving, it is biblical. No matter how you view it, giving is biblical. And in Jesus' day... Giving was a big deal. Giving, uh, caring for the poor, uh, giving your alms, uh, your, your uh, charitable deeds, all those things was a big deal in Jesus' day. It was a huge part of Jewish tradition. They didn't shy away from it. They, they lived it. It was a part of their tradition. Deuteronomy 15, verse 11, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. So giving in Jesus' day, in Jewish culture, was an expectation. However, the religious leaders, these hypocrites as Jesus calls them, are setting the bad, a bad example for everyone else. As the spiritual overseers and advisors for God's people, it was as if they had set the bar so high, you could just feel how discouraged everybody else must have felt. I can't give as much as they, they give, so I, I must be least in the kingdom. I can't give as much. I've seen the checks that they write and they drop in that bowl. Every now and then I peek and I just, I can't do that. You know, my job, it doesn't pay as much. And, and in fact, I've lost my job and I can't give anything. And I must be least in the, I can't do what they're doing. 
yeah, I don't wear the clothes that they wear. Obviously, their clothes are way more expensive than mine, and so I, I'm, there's, maybe there's just something I'm doing wrong. Maybe God is not in, as much in favor of me as they are in that person. Maybe I'm just least in the kingdom. The religious leaders no doubt set a bad example when it came to giving. And people like me and you, if we were there in that day, we would probably view it that way. I just I must not be as close to God. I want to be close to God, but I can't give the way that they give. See, I don't wear the robes that those religious leaders wear. They come in in the synagogues and in the temples and they drop this big wad of cash like it's nothing. I can't do that. I haven't given in six months. I must be least in the kingdom. And that is a backwards view of the gospel. A pastor friend of mine uh, a few years ago went to Las Vegas. It was for a Christian concert or conference. <laughs> but while he was there on the strip of Las Vegas, there's this man who's notorious for holding up this big sign and in big bold letters it said, WWJD. Now I would submit to you that that is an outdated um, thing, WWJD. You remember you, we used to wear the bracelets that Non-Christians wore those bracelets all the time. What would Jesus do? I don't know. I don't know who he is, but I wear the bracelet. Well, WWJD was, even though it's outdated, having a big sign in Las Vegas on the strip and big bold letters saying, what would Jesus do, wouldn't be a bad idea. However, this guy, underneath the big bold letters, as you got a little closer, it said, who would Jesus destroy? And all the while, this man is preaching a message of hatred. Who would Jesus destroy? Now, that's not very comforting. Whether you're a believer or not in Las Vegas, and you see that, this man's purpose was to condemn bad behavior that's unforgivable. Who would Jesus Christ destroy? Because what happens when you see a sign like that, whether you're a believer or not, you start to examine your own self. I must be a bad person. I don't measure up to this man. He's saying that the God that he believes in he would destroy someone like me. I'm just walking in the street. I'm, just, I'm trying to avoid all of the, the uh, coupons they're handing out for uh, sexual exploitation. I just want to you know, do my business, but because I'm here, I mean, I'm not a Christian. The God that this man believes in must want to destroy someone like me. And what happens is you begin to compare yourself to other people. I don't measure up to that person, or I don't measure up to him, to her, and, and I'm not as big of an influence in the church as they are or as he is, and now you start to feel shame and, and guilt. and I don't, I don't give as much as they do. and I don't know, would, would Jesus destroy me? Am I not obeying as much as the next person? This is how the religious leaders made other people feel. I am sure of it. We're not as righteous as they are. They must be loved more by God because of all of their, their acts of giving. The only problem is, where's the gospel in that? Who would Jesus destroy? Does that speak gospel to you? I love this part of the story because on the other side of the street was a, a local pastor. He was a, a leader of a church. and um, In fact, his church was right around the corner from where this took place. And, and he holds up his own sign in big, bold letters, and it says WDJL. Who does Jesus love? And this man's not saying anything, unlike the man across the street preaching hate. He's not saying a word. In fact, his mouth is duct taped. And all he's doing is handing out flyers that say this. It's very common to find street preachers here on Fremont Street loudly declaring who God hates. There's a problem with that. God loves. 
He didn't send Jesus to condemn, but to save. That's John 3.17. The truth is that God loves homosexuals, gamblers, strippers, abortionists, prostitutes, addicts, and you. And so we apologize if you've ever heard anything that would make you think otherwise. The reason they spread a message of hate is because there is power in hate. But we have chosen the way of Jesus, the way of love, and we find it far more powerful. So yes, God does love those who are living in sin. However, the point of God saving you and me is to remove us from a life of sin. And although we're not perfect, and sometimes we, we fall and we fall into sin, we talked about the last week, Jesus instructs us, we live our lives in constant repentance of our sin. We live our lives in a constant state of turning from our sin and walking in a way that is right and honoring of God. And last week, we, we flee from things like sexual immorality. We flee from anything that makes us un, or impure, and we per, pursue a life of purity. Part of the purpose of our lives as Christians, every day we, we want ourselves to be shaped and molded and refined to look more like Jesus every day. He's given us his manual on how to live, his word. It's not just a Sermon on the Mount, it's Genesis to Revelation. It's all useful to us. And God has given it to us to help make us more like his son, the only living God. Jesus is our standard, church. There's no religious leader who sets the standard for you. It's Jesus Christ that sets the standard for the way we live. So what happens is, giving becomes a byproduct of a life transformed by Jesus. Don't view giving, uh, uh, don't measure giving by the person sitting next to you. Giving is a byproduct of a life that has been transformed by Jesus Christ. We don't give to appease God. We, we don't give to draw attention to ourselves. We don't give for the praise of other people, and we don't give to impress other people. Hey, I don't know if you saw when I dropped in the offering bowl uh, earlier in church, but I gave a bunch of money, more than I usually give. Oh, okay. I wasn't able to give anything today, but thanks for telling me that. Now, giving is a byproduct of a life that's been transformed by Jesus. It's not for anything else. We don't do it to please other people. We certainly don't give to earn merit with God. That's not possible. And that'll never happen. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our deeds. We're not saved by how much money we give. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ. God did all the work. We had 0% given towards that. Nothing we ever did earned right standing with God. It was all God. He's the one who stepped in. And He is our standard. So when you give... It, this is based on a heart that's been transformed by the power of the gospel. And I love the way it's displayed in Ezekiel 36. God's people had gone astray. They had turned their back on Him. Just like we do from time to time. Just like we were once living in rebellion against God, living in our sins and trespasses, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, as Paul writes in Ephesians. But God stepped in. And look what he says. Although His people had gone astray, God was planning a redemption story. Verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit 
I will put within you. I love this because it's God who's doing all the transformation. It's God who's doing all. God is saying, I will give you a new heart. And I will remove within you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, I'm going to give you a heart that actually receives my love. I'm going to give you a heart that can receive the love of God through other people. I'm going to remove within you uh, your heart of jealousy. I'm going to remove within you uh, the shame, uh, your heart of guilt, and, and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a heart that's going to receive the love of the Father. That you know that there is a God who is for you. And then if that there is a God that's for you, then nothing in all creation can ever come against you. This is the God of our Bible. He's done all the work. And it's through His existence and His love for you and me that He has given all of us, if you're in Christ, a brand new heart and a new spirit. He has called us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's our God. So when you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you, then you know it's not about how much that you give. It's about why you give. If you ever play the comparison game, stop it. It's not about how much you give. It's about why you give. So when you give your tithes and your offerings and you drop that in the bowl, in the back, and maybe you give to somebody who's in need and maybe it's financially or maybe it's just the work of your hands or you have something that somebody else doesn't have, whatever it is, your giving is a natural and direct response to what God has already given you. And God has given you and me the greatest thing that we will ever receive, Himself. So when you spend your money or we manage our finances, it's a testimony of how surrendered our lives are to Jesus. However you spend your money, however you manage all of your finances, it's all a testimony of how surrendered you are to the gospel. Specifically, Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Giving is just a part of who we are. It's just a natural response to who we are in Christ. You're not giving so everybody else sees. You're not giving so your name can be put on a building. And Jesus is saying, your left hand's not even going to know what your right hand is doing. In other words, your giving is just a natural way of your life. You don't think about it. It's just, it just comes natural. You're not really thinking about it. You just do it. I, I don't need to tell anybody. I, it's just ingrained in my life. I'm just a giver. I give because God has given to me. And I just want to tell you how thankful I am to be a part of a church and a part of a church with other leaders who are so giving. Our leadership is giving. You guys are giving. The way you give your money, the way you give your, your offerings, your tithes, the way you give your time. Some of you have resources that other people don't have. Some of you, I've seen people donate beds to other people in our church. I have seen countless times of men and women in this church who own trucks, who use those trucks for the glory of God. You, you have a truck bed, so you donate that truck for somebody else to use it for whatever it is. John Warambowski, I hope I pronounced that right. 
John has used his gifts, his talents, his resources, his own money to build and create and fix things in this church for a long time. For a long time. There is men and women in this church, in this room, who have donated their money, their time, their gifts, their talents, their resources, the work of their hands for God's church for such a long time. That is what the church should look like. The giving that we are a part of, it's an overflowing of our heart. It's an inward thing. All of our acts of righteousness, everything we do outwardly is a response to who we are inside. My dad's come up here. He's painted walls for us of no charge. By the way, did you see those curbs outside? John fixed those curbs after his work day. People who are retired give their time. I've seen young people and older people lift up heavy snack machines that we shouldn't have probably have done. That snack machine, the only way we're getting that snack machine out of this building is it's going out of a window upstairs. People have given their time. And by the way, if you're not currently giving, this is not meant for you to feel bad. Because right now, we're in the process of creating more opportunities for all of us to give. One of the examples is we're going to start an annual Thanksgiving drive here at Hillcrest. So what we're going to do in the coming weeks is we're going to provide big brown bags to hand out to everybody. And on that brown bag, there's going to be a list of items. You're going to go out and you're going to buy those items as well as a gift card to Walmart so this family can buy a turkey. You bring that back, bag full, gift card there. And we're working with Community Lifeline. I think Samaritan's in here locally. And we're going to provide meals for families in need in McKinney, in our community. And I might, it may shock you how many families there are in need in our community. I also want to say, if, if you're in this room right now, and if you are in need of help to provide a Thanksgiving meal for your family, we are going to help you. And so this is, the onus is on you, church. We're going to hand out these bags. I would love to see us supply well over 100 meals for families in need in our city. And that's going to be an annual thing. We're going to do that every year. We're going to give back to our community. Another thing we're going to start doing, again, and I know you guys used to do this, is angel tree. We're going to place a Christmas tree during Christmas time and have cards on there where you can take those off the tree and go buy a gift or several gifts for a family or for a child who's not going to receive anything for Christmas. We're going to do that every year, and we're also creating more ways to give within the context of a Thanksgiving drive and angel tree. There's also another opportunity that just came up for us, if you're interested. Uh, the church I came from, they do a meal packaging event every year where they provide 500,000 meals for, uh, for kids in Haiti. It feeds them for a year. Thousands of kids. It feeds them for a year. I've been a part of this for five years. What it is, it's a group of about eight or nine people at a table, and for 45 minutes we pack as many boxes as we can. And they're shipped off to Haiti. We're going to do that. So if you are interested in that, let me know. Let Kay Love know. Let Kathy Christophel know. And we will take as many of our church members here over to Colleyville, about a 45-minute drive, and I'll give you dates later, and we're going to package meals together. I want there to be ways for all of us to be able to give financially our hands, our time, our resources. Maybe you have something somebody else needs. And, and one more thing I want to say. We're going to have a class 
next Sunday, directly after church. It's called Discover Hillcrest. Now, many of you are like, Nate, I've been to Hillcrest my whole life. I, I know way more about Hillcrest than you, and I know that. But I want, in this class, if you have become a member within this last year, or if you've been attending our church and you're, you're thinking about becoming a member, this class is for you. If you've been coming to our church, but you, you don't know where to serve yet, this class is for you. If maybe you remember here a long time ago, and it's been years, and now you're back, this class is for you. I'm going to be talking about the, the current status of our church, and, and who we are, and what our core values are, and how, where there are ways for you to serve in this church, and how you can get your hands dirty and be a part of things like putting sod down in the front yard, things like that. We want to clean up. There's just a lot of things that we can do. But we need volunteers. We need resources. We need hands that are willing to work. And so that's next Sunday. That's, that's after church, directly after church. It's going to be in this room. We're going to provide lunch for you. So if you're looking, uh, you know, I've been wanting to serve. I just don't know where. Come to this class. We're going to talk about the future of Hillcrest. What's the vision moving forward? Where are we going here at Hillcrest Christian Church in McKinney, Texas? Where are we going? We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. It's my heart and desire to get all of us involved in the church. This is not a one-man show. We are the body of Christ. The living God of the universe. His Spirit lives in all of us. We are to make an impact in our community and all over the world. And it's going to take the whole body. And so I want to offer those opportunities. So come next week to discover Hillcrest. I want to end by sharing this story. And I hope this is an encouragement to some. There's a story in the Gospels uh, where Jesus is in the temple. And he's watching and observing people coming in, uh, like people who have a lot of wealth and, and the religious leaders. And he's watching them place all of their uh, money and offerings in the offering bowl. And so uh, rich man after rich man comes in, and religious leader after religious leader, they come in this temple, and Jesus is, is kind of sitting afar, but he's watching and observing the whole process. And these men, they come in there, and they got their expensive robes on, and and everybody look at me mentality, and we're all that in a bag of chips, and we got all this money, and they're just dropping all their money in the offering bin. Look at me, I'm so gloriously religious. I'm so amazing, I'm so spiritual. I advise all of you, and look how giving I am, and they just drop all of this money in the offering bowl. Jesus is sitting back, and he's watching, and he's not impressed. Because the amount of money you give, it doesn't impress Jesus. And so they're doing this, and, and then this poor widow comes up after all of these men, and well, listen to what it says. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to tell him, and he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. Now, if you remember a couple of chapters before this in Mark's Gospel, there's a story of Jesus and the rich young ruler. Jesus looks at this man and he says, uh, sell everything that you have, give all of your money to the poor, and then come follow me. This man looks right back at Jesus and says, no thanks, I'm not interested in that kind of life. And he goes the other way. Never to be heard of again, by the way. 
Then this, this poor widow comes up. We don't know much about her, but she comes forward and, and Jesus says she gives all that she had. And it wasn't much. But Jesus says it was more than any of those rich people gave. It, it was more than the religious leaders gave. Why? Because Jesus says she gave out of her poverty. This is a picture of the kingdom of God. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not about how much you give. It's about why you give. Almost everything we do in this life is traced back to our heart. The God of the universe lives in you. You are never meant to feel bad about your financial situation. You are never meant to feel bad that you can't give as much as a person sitting next to you. You are never meant to feel shame or guilt because your Heavenly Father is looking at you and me saying, hey, it's not about how much you give. It's about why you give. If you have a heart that has been transformed by the power of the Gospel, everything you do in your life comes back to that. The Spirit of the living God lives in you and me. Everything we do out of that stems from that. It started with God and who you are. It all is traced back to the God of the universe. So, we're going to sing a song together. and In this song, I, I encourage you to come up. I would love to pray with you if you have any questions about the sermon or if you're a guest with us we'd love to meet you I would love to meet you we have a gift for you if you want to go visit the prayer room even during the song you're more than welcome to do that that prayer room was put together for you if you want to come up and pray maybe you're here and you're just you don't even know if you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you've never been baptized I would love for you to come up and and I would love to have that conversation with you but let's stand let's worship together and then I'll close us out in a prayer